Welcome to Everything Co-op, bringing you information on how cooperatives can help improve your quality of life. This show is being sponsored by the National Co-op Bank, NCB. The NCB is dedicated to strengthening communities nationwide for the delivery of banking and financial services for the nation's cooperatives, their members, and other socially responsible organizations. For more information on the power of community ownership, visit ncb.coop. That's ncb.coop. Now stay tuned for your host, Vernon Oaks. Good morning, everybody. This is Vernon Oaks. Welcome to Everything Cooperative. You know, this morning we're going to talk about uh, Equal Exchange, which is, which is a worker cooperative. Um, they help people, small farmers, small farmer co-ops, and they help people in the Congo. We've talked, we've had this for two weeks. This is our third week. And this week we're going to focus on how Equal Exchange works, uh, the internal operations and we have on the phone with us this morning, Mr. L.J. Taylor. Good morning, Mr. L.J. Good morning. How are you? Thanks for having me on. Oh, thank you for being on. Particularly, I know you have been ill, so I'm so glad that you have made it on this morning. Yeah, I feel kind of lucky. We got through the, uh, I, I got the uh, initial rush of the flu. So when everybody else gets it, I'll be already done. Okay, fantastic. <laughs> fantastic. And you're also the board chair. Yes, I'm currently the board chair at Equal Exchange. So what, what do you do at Equal Exchange? Uh, so as I, as I like to tell people, my daytime job is I work in food service sales. So uh, we're coffee, tea, chocolate, all things fair trade. And I work with people who serve our product. Um, so if you go in and buy a cup of coffee that is Equal Exchange, that just might be one of my customers. Um, and that's my daytime job. Um, and then as part of, as part of our governance, uh, I'm a board member, uh, a worker owner, and currently the chair of the board. Okay, so you have a daytime job and a nighttime job. <laughs> hey, that's why they call us worker owners. You know, my worker job is the, uh, the the salesperson, and my owner job is taking care of our governance, is being part of the being part of the board. And so you get paid for your daytime job, but you don't get paid for your governance part. Hey, we all get paid for our governance part. You know, part of part of what's great about being in a worker-owned cooperative is that the, the the fruits of our labor, you know, all the sweat that we put in all year long in keeping the organization going comes to us, you know, and uh, I'm an owner, and I take my part of the job that is not just uh, my sales piece, but all the other pieces, the extra meetings, the times that we have to go to board. I actually live in Virginia, so when we have board meetings, I have to fly up to Massachusetts, all of that extra travel, I take that as any small business owner would. You know, those are the extra pieces of labor that you need to put in beyond. I'm sorry, I had another call come in. Okay. Well, we may have just lost Mr. Taylor. So in the meantime, we're going to talk about what a worker cooperative is. A cooperative is any business that you can think of. Any business that you can think of could be in a form of a co-op. It's just the ownership difference. So in a worker co-op, the employees own it. And for Equal Exchange, we had Mr. Rodney North on two weeks ago, and we had Beth, Beth Ann Casperson on last week. And Rodney North talked to us about a double co-op, and that was that the uh, Equal Exchange buys their products from farmer cooperatives, and they are a worker-owned cooperative. In this worker-owned cooperative, the employees own it. There's 150 employees, and out of that 150 employees, 117 of them are owners. And Rodney, uh, LJ, and Beth Ann are all owners uh, in this in this cooperative. And so what Mr. Taylor was talking to us about before we got disconnected, and he's back on, I understand. But what, what he was talking about was that he works both a daytime job is selling the products, and in the, after, in the evening time is the governance, and there's a reward for the governance. And that reward looks like what, Mr. Taylor? Uh, that reward looks like, uh, you know, our dividend checks that we get at the end of the year, the internal capital that I'm building in an organization that – 
I'm an owner of. You know, I, I view that work as any small business owner would. You know, the guy who owns the hardware shop dur- during the day doesn't punch a clock for eight hours and think, okay, my job is over. Owning a business is more work than that. You think about it all the time. And whatever you have to put in, you put in to get that done. Well, I'm a small – I have a property management company, and so you're exactly correct. It's not – it's uh, – it's, it's, <laughs> 24-7-365, it is whenever a customer calls or a banker calls or insurance agent or vendor, it, you're on the job. So, yeah, I totally understand what you're talking about. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. But in your case, you have 117 other owners. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and they're doing the same thing. They are thinking about this all the time. And Yeah, I mean – that, that's the theory, and I have to say, you know, I've been at Equal Exchange since 2003, um, and we take um, our ownership very seriously. Um, any person who becomes a business owner with us, who becomes a worker owner, is actually voted on by the rest of the worker owners. So a potential worker owner uh, works for a year. Uh, we get to know them. We get to know their work. Um, their supervisor writes a recommendation for them. They have a worker or a mentor who writes a recommendation for them. We read those statements. We even have office hours where you can go in and discuss the candidate with the supervisor and the mentor. And then we vote, and we take those votes very seriously because it's not just, okay, they're okay, you know, they're functional at their job. It's the serious question of do I want to own a business with this person? And you have to make that decision, you know, pretty regularly you know i uh mr roddy north talked about that a bit and one of the things that he said that you all have um embedded in your policies is when you do your dividend you go head on and put enough money aside for the 150 people so that the worker the 117 that are there would not sort of like say, we're not going to let anybody else in because we don't want to share this portion. So you take out the money for everybody, although you don't give it to them, you keep it in capital. Yep. I thought that was great. <laughs> yeah, and, and, you know, I think we call that our internal capital account. Uh, and the great part about not only building that capital is it's an investment in um, – not only what's going on with our organization currently, but what's going on with our organization in the future. You know, I think we do it in our personal lives. We hopefully do it in our professional lives. If we're business owners, you can't just take uh, whatever you see today and think, I just need to make it through today. You want to build capital and the ability to insulate yourself for the future as much as you can. Um, The really the really beautiful thing that I, I think, you know, is a sort of elegant decision by the worker owners. Not only do we have these internal capital accounts, but we went ahead and decided to then take those capital accounts and invest them in stock at equal exchange as well, right? Like, so those internal capital accounts are actually working capital for equal exchange for them to go out and make the purchases that they need to make on the green bean market or if we're going to, you know, buy a new building or invest in our roasting equipment, that's capital that is active. Mm-hmm. And on top of that, it, it we we get the same uh, return our investment on our investment that people who do buy our preferred stock get as well. So it, it, it in a lot of ways, we're doubling down on who, who, what we do because we really do believe in the work that we're doing and the change that we're making out in the world. You know, and that's one I really like Equal Exchange. I, I I love this co-op model, but as I have learned about what you all do, I I I find that, and you may you may accept this or not, but I find you're doing God's work. You in your fair trade, you're working for the small farmer, those that have the least amount of of things around the world. And you give them a fair price for their products, and you help them provide better products and better quality products. That's what Beth Ann talked to us about. So uh, in the Congo, you're doing all kinds of different things to help the people in the Congo. And I want to get this um, commercial out real quick, which normally I've waited (laughs) to the end, and we almost don't get it out. (laughs) But you could buy products from um, Equal Exchange by going to shop.com. EqualExchange.coop. That's S H O P dot E Q U A L 
E-X-C-H-A-N-G-E dot C-O-O-P. And if you put V-O-K-E-S, V-O-A-K-E-S, my name, my first initial and last name, in the promo section, you'll get a 10% off. And this is one time. Uh, and it can't be combined with any other offer. It cannot be combined, uh, used with a wholesale. And it expires on January 31st. So you can go in on Equal Exchange. And what you'll be doing, particularly if you buy the Congo uh, coffee, which I bought. I don't drink coffee, so I gave it to my sister. <laughs> and Rodney, I mean, LJ, what you need to know is yesterday uh, she was trying to go online, and, she, and I've got to help her. Because she went online, but she didn't see the Congo coffee because she said she loved it. She loved the way it smelled, and she loved the way she it, she tasted She had a grinder, and she went right away and, and came back and said she really loved this, and she wants to buy some more. That's fantastic. Um, I also found, uh, for those out there, that I bought some cashews, which I the only problem, they were so good, I ate them in 24 hours, a pound of cashews. <laughs> the, the I did share some of the chocolate mints. Uh, I really like those, and I, I I found out, LJ, that I already had some um, some of your green tea in, in already in my cupboard. So I bought some other teas, and I really I like your product. I like right the on. price, uh, and you can help smaller farmers and folks in the Congo. The other thing I bought, which I'm very pleased with, I was planning on giving it away, but I think I've got to buy some more. I bought the Panzi, P-A-N-Z-I bag, Mm -hmm. and that was $29. And you want to tell people out there what that's about and why you're doing that? Well, I can tell you, I want to go back just for a quick second to something you said earlier about doing God's work. You know, uh, I, I appreciate you saying that. I, you know, I speak Christianese myself, so, you know, you, you, just, you didn't push anything on me that I didn't already uh, feel in my heart. Okay. Uh, but one of the things that um, I believe is that um, we're all challenged with taking what our talents are and using them to the best of our ability. And um, I'm a sales animal at heart. I love to go out and find the new account and to find the new sales avenue and to challenge the market and to try to make change out there. And I've done that for other companies. Mm -hmm. Uh, And there was always sort of, I don't want to call it a piece missing because you're still exercising your talent, but there is a piece missing. When I know that every new account I get is one more pound of coffee that we can buy from a small-scale farmer in Peru or in the Congo or, you know, in Mexico, um, that lets me know that my work, my, my talents are being exercised in a way that are helping people around the world. And that's the highest level that I think anyone can achieve when they're doing their work is can you make change for people and um, you know that that's part of why I will invest continually with my energy with uh, my dollars um, with my time um, to this organization because I do feel like we are actually affecting change in the world and and you know I appreciate you for highlighting just that part um, in, in speaking to us about all the different things that we're doing out there um, you know, you know um, that's a great place to take a break. So you have to take a break. You're making change in the world, and that's what Eco Exchange. And by the way, be, right before we take a break, I am also a salesman for Eco Exchange. I don't make any money out of it, but I really enjoy what you all do. We'll be right back. Don't touch that down. Fourteen fifty W O L. Welcome back, everybody. You know, WOL has it, an information is power, and the National Cooperative Bank is bringing you this program called Everything Cooperative to give you the information that you can perhaps go out and start your own co-op, a worker co-op. Uh, I didn't talk to you about consumer co-ops. That's when people use the products and services like a housing co-op, and that's how I learned about cooperatives and managing them, and that's how I became passionate and loving this business model over and above the capitalistic model because in the capitalistic model, when money are made, it's normally made for the investor, and that investor may be in a different city, a different country, uh, anywhere away from, and where it is worker co-op, what Mr. Taylor has already told us about, when there are dividends, it's given back to the employees. So that's fascinating and I think wonderful so that everyday people can build wealth. 
and everyday people learn uh, how to work together and how to work with uh, government agencies and so forth. So they build social wealth. They build all capital. Um, it's fascinating. And Mr. Taylor, let's go back to talk about what you do. We talked, you said sales, and you get a bigger bang out of it because you're using your talent, skills, monies, and so forth to help change. Yeah. So, um, you know, you were talking about the pansy bag, right? Yes. Uh, it's it's a gorgeous bag that you can see. It's right there on our website if you go to the shop.equalexchange.coop. Um, website and put pansy bag in the the search um you'll you'll see this bag uh it's a it, it's a direct result of our congo coffee project um that we did with uh the pansy foundation uh and this pansy foundation um i'm sure bethann talked about it but mm-hmm. what it really does is it tries to i think at the at its core is show that in hopeless situations, there are, there's care, and somebody cares, right? Uh, and we we chose to partner with Pansy. Uh, they have the Pansy Hospital, which you know uh, is out in the Congo, um, and basically they're they're treating women um, through um, life-saving treatments, counseling, aftercare programs um, for over. 2,000 survivors of sexual violence that happen each year uh, in in the DR. And um, we're trying to provide that support, not necessarily just through funds or through um, donations, but through partnering with initiatives that allow people to take their money and vote, right? People can go out and you you can go to the store and you can buy any coffee. Uh, and the thing that I always challenge consumers to do is to understand that each dollar they have in their pocket is a vote. You have a vote for what kind of system you want to invest in. Um, and buying Congo coffee or buying a pansy bag allows the pansy hospital to go out and continue um, to treat these women who are suffering all kinds of atrocities each year in the Congo um, and allows them to understand that there are people out there who are investing in something that will benefit them and try to make their lives better. And, you know, that that's <laughs> – I keep going back to it, but I, I just can't imagine a higher higher capacity for an everyday job than being able to affect change in that way. So you like what you do. <laughs> I, I love what I do. And, you know, my background, I've been in coffee now for over two decades. Um, I, I started with Starbucks. Um, and, you know, you were talking about some of the nuances between giving your, I call it sweat credit, but giving your sweat credit to an organization where you're paying off investors or giving your sweat credit in paying off, in essence, yourself as a small business owner. And that's what and the other And the other employees. Exactly. That's what worker owners are. We're paying off ourselves um, through our sweat credit. Um, But as I grew um, as a young man, as I started to grow and do some thinking, it it really it was a challenge to me to think about um, putting that sweat credit towards living out the dreams and ideas of investors or executives only. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, And. The, a lot of people talk about a democratic workplace, and they have these visions of us all sitting around and making all kinds of decisions together, right? But here we are at this big table. It's 117 of us, and we're all making decisions. Should LJ go to Virginia? Well, that wasn't a decision that we all sat down and made, right? It's, it's not that cut and dry. We have very specific things in our governance that become part of our democratic process. But even those pieces give you an investment in the largest decisions of an organization, and that is what ownership is about. It's not about each individual decision. It's about the bigger um, sort of decisions that uh, are on a macro level above your organization. And I know that we're supposed to – I get caught up because I love my job so much. I know one of the things that we really wanted to talk about was the workings of the governance 
um, of equal exchange. And, you know, I'd love to tell you about it because I think that it's elegant and it's one of, one of the, one of the, one of the sources of pride for me, uh, telling people that I work at equal exchange is really letting them understand how we govern our organization. Before we do that, I want to make sure everybody understand this pansy bag. It's $29. Oh. It's uh, white, green, and black. It's very sturdy. I've used it now to go to the gym, to put my things in to go to the gym. I've also used it to, when I went shopping. Um, it's, it's a fascinating bag. It's a little bit feminine, uh, but I've gone, I don't care. It causes me to have conversations, and so I can tell people what it's about. So I said, you've got a salesman here, uh, LJ, and I'm not one. The payment, I, start, I said earlier, I don't get paid for it, but I do. The payment is in the fact that knowing that I'm helping some women in the Congo who, cre- who create these bags, who get paid for th- these bags, and you all are selling them, and then they're learning how to do a business, and so that they, they can. Well, let me say it this way, T. Uh, Dame Pauline Green, who's the president of the International Cooperative Alliance, said that cooperatives help people to get out of poverty with dignity. And, and that's what I see these ladies are being able to do. They, they've had sexual assault, they've gone to the hospital, and now you guys with the Pansy uh, Foundation are giving them a way of, of, of using their time and talents to make something, and they can get money and then take care of their families. So it, to me, it makes all the sense. And the, and the payment is knowing that I'm doing something great, uh, wonderful for another human being when I bought this bag. The, the other thing I want to say to you, and I, I know I got to interview you, but <laughs> this was I, when I bought it was $79, and I put in the code VOKES, and I got a 10% discount. It came to $71. And that was the first time in my life that I felt good about spending my money. Because I knew that I didn't know how good the products were going to be, but they turned out to be excellent. Everything that I bought, I really liked. It was at a price competitive, and in some cases, compared to Starbucks, is what my sister told me about the coffee at $12 for the Congo coffee. It's much cheaper, and she found it as good as. So um, the p- products are good, the price are r- is right, and I'm able to help people. I, That's right. Why, you know, if you're using these products, the chocolate I did uh, – the uh, the chocolate I did share it with three people, but one piece <laughs> each of the twenty pieces uh, over about a week and a half. I took a piece at a time and really enjoyed it. Um, so you can go on shop.equalexchange.coop. You put in VOKS in the promotion code. You get a ten percent off one time. Can't combine it with any other offer. This is not good for wholesale customers, and it expires on January thirty first. Uh, yeah, I encourage you to go in. They have scarves, which I'm going to go back and make another order. I won't get the 10% discount, but I'm co- okay with that because I w- I've got some Christmas shopping I want to do with the scarves, and you got some necklaces and stuff that different people, I think, in Peru or Venezuela, different places, make these different products. Um, and so I'll be buying some more. So with that, let's go to governance. Um, what's the everyday? What are the kinds of things that's on your on your plate right now that you have to make decisions on? Um, so I, I can tell you. Um, first, I, I sort of dabbled in it, but I want to go go back and be very specific here. By our governance model, um, we have, and and let me first say we have something called the glass model, which was. Um, this 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 will tell you just the truest part of our governance. Um, uh, a few years ago, uh, we had a governance model that was, I would say, at, in the kindest sense of the word, was causing some turmoil for us mm-hmm. um, in how it was operating. Uh, and we had a group of worker owners who got together and said that we needed to make a change. And one of the changes that worker owners at Equal Exchange can do is to say, we would like to change our governance model. So the 117 of us, if rallied, uh, can decide to change our governance at any time. And we made that decision, and we had basically what amounted to an open audition for people to bring proposals for a new governance model. Listen, uh, we've got to take another break. This okay. is a great place. When we come back, we'll talk about the audition for proposals and uh, what you ended up with. 
If anyone out there has a question for me or LJ, please call in at 1-800-450-7876. And we're talking about worker cooperatives and how you can build wealth, both social uh, capital and financial capital. We'll be right back. News updates on the web at woldcnews.com. Everything Cooperative. This is Vernon Oaks, and we have L.J. Taylor, the board president and the salesperson at Equal Exchange on the line with us this morning, talking about worker co-ops and how they govern, how they function from a day-to-day basis. And right before the break, he was telling us about the workers came together and decided that they wanted to change the governance. And I would like for you to think, what would that look like at Bank of America? or Wells Fargo, or Ford Motor Company, or IBM, that the workers would come together and say, look, we want to change the governance of, of these companies. Uh, I, don't, I doubt it very seriously if they get very far. But at Equal Exchange, they decided that workers decided they wanted to change the governance because the governance they were under was called in turmoil, and they figured they wanted to have a better governance structure. So what happened? So basically, we had an open audition, uh, and we had three worker owners actually created some pretty interesting and elegant-looking co-op governance models. Uh, They gave a presentation to the entire worker owner body, and then we voted. Uh, And we ended up voting on the GLASS model, which is uh, what we have adopted and are now uh, living under. I was just thinking about it as uh, as we were at the commercial break and thinking about what exactly I want to get across about this model because I could probably spend four hours talking about it, and I know we don't have that. Um, (laughs) But the first thing I want to say is just to give you a view of our checks and balances, okay? So in the GLASS model, we have our 117 worker owners. Those worker owners elect the board of directors. So... In other organizations, those people are appointed or hired or sometimes the executives handpick them. Um, six, but not at equal exchange, six of those board members, we have a board of nine, six of those board members are worker owners. So we elect six people from amongst our 117. Um, they're elected to three-year terms, and we elect two of them each year. So you have a rotating out of two. In addition to those, we also have three um, board members that are elected from outside of the organization. We really felt like that was important. You have different things, different pieces of talent or different views of the market or different views, you know, possibly from our small farmers, our investors, our customers, consumers, whatever other stakeholder we might feel it's important to have their voice at that time, we can elect them. Um, to our board of directors as well. Um, so they, we elect one a year, and they also have three-year terms, so we have one that's elected there. So each year we're electing two inside directors and one outside. That board of directors then supervises, uh, in a sense, um, our executives. So they have the, hire, the power to hire and fire executives and really to be sort of the the defenders of our governance, in a way. Okay, can we? Can I get you to hold on a minute? We have a Sean on the line yep. for comment or question. Sean? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I was uh, just calling. I, I mean, everything you're saying sounds fascinating. How do you find out more information about starting a co-op? Is there a program, or um, you know, I really believe that you know what you're doing and what you're talking about is really key to some of the things that we're struggling with in terms of high unemployment and uh, low job scalability in a lot of our inner city areas. And I'm, I'm very interested in, in, in doing that, but I'm not very familiar at all with the co-op model and how you get started with it. I have different business ideas, but I've always thought along the traditional capital uh, model. But, you know, I'm, I'm very interested in, in investing my capital and helping kind of develop it. So is there a place you can take a class or how would you go about learning how to 
do or start or even get involved with uh, the Equal Exchange? I'm just curious. Well, I'll, I'll let uh, Mr. Taylor answer in a minute, but there is one place you can go real quickly, and that is to uh, the National Association. What's it? N-A. I'm sorry. I'm looking for NCBA, NCBA, National Cooperative Business Association. And that's just ncba.coop. And they will have some places in there to talk about starting co-ops and, and how you can get it. And then, Sean, um, there's a gentleman that I've talked to here in this area for worker co-op because I'm looking at taking my business and making it into a worker co-op. And his name is Jim Johnson. But I don't remember which organization he was with or I would give you his contact information. And do you have anything to add to that? LJ? No, I was actually going to say the exact same thing. The NCBA would, would be where I would direct people. You're going to find lots of resources um, on not only starting a co-op, but how to get going, uh, sources to look for for funding, uh, tons of examples of uh, co-ops around the world um, and how their structure and what they do uh, give you actual definitions for some of the words that we're throwing around here on, <laughs> on this program. Um, but uh, I, I would say that, that that would be the best resource that I would point people to as well. Okay. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. And I enjoy the program. Very informational. Sean, thank you very much. And i got to say to you, if, if you can take one of those ideas and start a co-op, then this program is well worth it. I mean, at the time that we're putting in it in National Cooperative Bank is another place to go to, by the way, ncb.coop. So you could go to ncba.coop or ncb.coop. Uh, um, and right now, like NCB, what uh, Rodney North had told me, they have a $2.5 million line of credit with NCB right now. Is that right? Yep. To, to help finance their cash flow. So there's a couple places you can go to. Um, and good luck. Yeah. And I would say, you know, I, I think the biggest thing, and I'm glad that you're out doing it, is just to get people to start asking questions. If people can start asking questions, the resources are out there. But if you're going to go into a bank and just say, I want to start a business, they're never going to suggest co-op to you. You have to start with the question and the intention to set out for co-op. Uh, and then once you do, once you make that step and start to look for those resources, they'll be there. You know, I actually am also the uh, formerly was I was still I was also a worker at Equal Worker Owner at Equal Exchange, but at the time I was also uh, the board chair for uh, the Co-op Fund of New England, uh, which is uh, one of the oldest co-op lending funds um, in the United States. And the interesting thing about that is that uh, we have, with that organization, we had people and program directors who were out looking for people who wanted to start a co-op. We were looking for people who wanted to do that to be able to provide them with resources and things to help them get going. Um, so the resources are out there. You just have to make that first step to decide that that's what you want to do. And the other thing I've found uh, with the, in the co-op world is that if you were to go to NCBA's annual meeting or some other annual meeting, you find that the people there will give you information. They they want folks to to get the knowledge that they need to have a successful business, a successful cooperative business, and that's the fifth principle of of cooperative. There are seven principles. And the fifth one is education, training, and information. And so people really, 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 you know, they don't hold back data. And that's, again, why we're on this program, to give you the information you need. As WL says, information is power. And a gentleman by the name of Papa Sin from Senegal on the program said, if you take that information and put action to it, then that's where the power comes. And this is some of the things that we're trying to tell you. Okay, so ask the questions. And I want to get back to this glass model. All uh, right. Okay. Okay. So uh, we were talking about how the board uh, then sort is the defender and sort of holder of the governance and making sure that we're operating uh, with that and also supervising. I call it supervising, but in a way it's more support and working with our executives. And then our executives uh, are the management of the organization. So they're running our organization on a day-to-day -day basis. So as you can see, we have those three 
you know, I don't want to call them power centers, but there are three power centers, really. There's the worker owners who elect the board, and basically they're, they're supervising the board, right, mm-hmm. because they have the power to elect. Um, that board is then working with, with the executives and, in a way, supervising them with the power to hire and fire. And then the executives are managing our organization, and our organization, the work that's done there is done by our worker owners, right? Like, so you have a very interesting triangle that has a very elegant uh, check and balance to it that I really enjoy. Well, this triangle is is upside down. (laughs) You got the point at the bottom and... And the workers, the large, larger parts, which is normally the base of a triangle, then they, they are the 117 who, who elect nine board members who supervise, manage, um, hold, hold the staff accountable. And that could be, I don't know, your chief operating officer, chief financial officer. Uh, you got four or five people in, that, in those positions? Well, our, when we say our executives, we're talking about our co-executive directors. We have two executive directors, Rink Dickinson and Rob Everett. Uh, and interestingly enough, Rink uh, Dickinson is actually one of the founders of the Ad Equal Exchange. He's been there from the beginning, from the very beginning. And that was 86 or 83? What was it? 86. 86. Yep. Okay. Now, you were saying a triangle, and very interestingly, our glass model actually – sees it as two triangles, one with the very traditional triangle as you're talking about, uh, where you where everything flows up, which sort of looks like a traditional organization, and then an upside-down triangle on top of that, which is our governance. So you're right. It does – we have both of those elements in our everyday working life. And I think one of the biggest challenges, but it's one of the things that I enjoy, is that you have to wear both hats. You have to wear the hat, you know – there are times when I go into one meeting and I'm a salesperson and, you know, things are happening and decisions are being made and I'm sort of observing. And then I might go into the next room one hour later <laughs> and be running a board meeting where, you know, I'm facilitating approving the annual budget um, for equal exchange, right? And being able to switch back and forth um, between those two, those two jobs is – you know, gets right back to what we were talking about, being able to have that, in in a sense, the the day and nighttime job. They happen, they don't happen just at day and night. They might happen and switch from hour to hour. So when you're in a meeting as a salesperson, you may be taking directives from the co-directors. It it has happened. (laughs) And then when you become, put your chair of the board in the meeting, you may be giving the co-directors directives. That's correct. Okay. That's correct. That and and I can tell you, in my in my eleven year career, I have done just that. Gone from one room um, and had uh, directives sent to me that we discussed, uh, and then go into the next room and you know run a meeting where we're making hard decisions and um, having to you know support and guide our whole organization and. And, and and that's amazing. It's an amazing um, opportunity for me. Going back to Sean's comment um, about, you know, wanting to start a co-op, uh, when I started at Equal Exchange in 2003, I like to tell people, you know, I own two things, a beater car and one one-hundredth of this, you know, organization. You know, we didn't have 117 at the time. And that that is literally what I owned in my life. Um, and... Um, well, that you, was. Go ahead. I'm sorry. You own one percent, one one hundred. You own one percent <laughs> at the time, and yeah. you had a beat up car. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, yep. Yeah. I had a 1997 Altima, um, and and those are the two things I've owned. And you know now uh, I'm a father of three and married and own a home in Virginia, uh, and. Those type of things, people often believe that you have to make a choice, um, that you either have to go out and pursue um, financial success or you have to go out and do good work um, and that they're mutually exclusive. Um, But the model to be able to invest in yourself and still do 
um, amazing work when you're joined with others who want to do that, even if you've only got a little bit, even if you've only got a small amount to invest, the power of everybody doing it together not only changes your scale, you gotta take but a break. also changes, changes the way you look at it. We'll take a break and come right back to financial success and, and good works. We'll be right back. News updates on the web at WOLDCNews.com. Information is power. This is Vernon Oaks with Everything Cooperative this Thursday morning, talking to uh, L.J. Taylor from Equal Exchange. The National Corp Bank is sponsoring this program. NCB provides comprehensive banking services to cooperatives and other member-owned organizations throughout the country. What makes NCB unique is that the bank was created to address the financial needs of an underserved market niche. People who join together cooperatively to meet personal, social, or business needs, especially in low-income communities. Um, They have a a really hard job to do to try to provide loans to folks in low-income communities and uh, stay afloat. Uh, But they've done a very, very, very good job since the... 1980s also, um, and they've loaned you guys some money several the times. 80s were a good time. The 80s were a good time. Okay. Um, I thought this glass model you were going to talk about transparency, uh, that in the in your glass model, uh, people get to, uh, 117 get to understand and know what is all going on in, in, in the business. Is that a part of it? That is 100% part of it. And, you know, uh, there are two things that I would be remiss if I did make sure I pointed out. I want to make sure that we talk about that transparency. But I also want to, you know, I sort of dance back and forth about the kind of decisions that worker owners get to make. I want to make sure that I'm clear about those. But to get to that transparency piece, um, I'll give you another vision. You were talking about how if worker owners – uh, or workers at Wells Fargo decided they didn't like the governance or the bylaws at Wells Fargo, what could they do about it? You can't imagine them doing anything, right? Right. Well, at Equal Exchange, we can. And to give you a view, I'm going to give you another example. What would it be like if the board meeting of Wells Fargo was open to everybody, right? Hmm. So our worker owners sit in on our board meeting. They don't get to participate, but they're there when we are having crucial conversations, talking about things like budget, talking about future strategies for our organization, talking about directions, giving reports on how our product lines are doing, what our finances look like, all of those documents and all of those discussions are open to all of our worker owners. So there is no piece of that that happens that they don't have a view of. And then on the flip side, Trust me, I'm the the board chair. On the flip side, have conversations with me about, right? Mm -hmm. Um, So so any employee can talk to you about any of this stuff? Absolutely, and we encourage it. We do things like we have um, an open lunch with board members before the board meeting so that worker owners can express their views on the topics. The agendas go out ahead of time. The documents go out ahead of time so that they can read and give their feedback to us before we go into that meeting. And not only do they do that, but oftentimes we have lots of fruitful conversations afterwards uh, with reactions and how people are viewing the topics that we talked about. Um, Here's another great example. We just went through um, the the annual review for our executives. Mm. So um, imagine this. You're at Bank of America, and it's that time of year, and it's time to – give feedback on the performance of the executives. Our whole organization is entitled to contribute uh, comments and feedback, and then the board delivers that information to our executives, <laughs> right? That is – I can't think of a higher level of transparency than that kind of feedback and that kind of openness. Now, how many people out of the 117, you got six that's on the board, how many people come to a board meeting? You know, depending on topic, there are juicier topics. When we're talking about compensation philosophy, you, you'll have a packed room. Um, when we're talking about, you know, let's say 
future strategies of product lines, you'll have a full room. You know, from time to time, there's six of us. Uh, I could say that there'd be another, you know, 20 or 30 in the room and another five or 10. We we put them on, on a video conference as well because we have offices across the country. Um, so you'll have another, you know, 10 to 30 uh, either tuning in by phone or by video. Um, it's very active. And even if they're not there present in the room, we still have people who send emails and comment and, you know, even have personal conversations with board members as well. Now, you got 117 members and 150 employees, if my math right, that's 23, 33 people that are not uh, members yet, but they're employees. Can they also come to the board meeting? They can. They can. They can come in and sit. I think it's a crucial piece of our organization that people who are not yet worker owners can come and sit in on our worker owner meetings. They can come and sit in on the board Look, I've talked about the piece as a worker owner where I'm trying to say, do I want this person to own a business with me? I feel like it's just as, you know, just as important that any potential worker owner decide if they want to own a business with us, right? Like mm-hmm. they might sit in on those, those meetings and decide these people are crazy. I don't know why they make decisions this way. Um, I'll go find another cooperative. Um, but it is important that people get that view of our governance live and working as it's going. Do you have in your evaluation of those 33 people that if they did not come to any of those meetings, they wouldn't get voted in? That is part of the evaluations uh, piece. We have, um, we actually have um, two different organizations that, I mean, two different um, committees that work with them. We have an education committee that has a curriculum that all potential worker owners go through. Uh, where they're learning different pieces about co-ops, different pieces about our business, different piece, pieces about our governance. Uh, and then we also have something called the Leadership and Training Committee, which uh, puts out different programs in order to not only help potential worker owners, but help worker owners um, that are current uh, continue to work on their leadership and skills. Um, and I think that's just a, just as important. You know, I alluded to um, working on the board of the Co-op Fund in New England. Part of the reason I did that is because I want to retire a worker owner at Equal Exchange. And I know if I'm going to be there for 30 years, the skills I have right now aren't going to be enough. I need to continue to go out and educate myself and to learn more and more and more so that I can contribute to Equal Exchange. When I'm there for 20 years, I'm going to be a senior person. They're going to need to rely on me or else our organization is going to fall down. So, you know, it's our responsibility to keep pushing ourselves and continue to learn and challenge. Fascinating, sir. Fascinating. Let me. One of the things I've learned in managing housing co-ops is that in order to have a successful cooperative, they've got to have two things, and that's good governance, which you've been talking about, and good management, which you talked about the two uh, co-managers. So, um, and I have defined good as they have to have knowledge, which you were just talking about, which made me think about this. You have to have knowledge and you have to have integrity, um, and both in governance and in management. So how would you rate Equal Exchange in integrity? Living up to well, its bylaws and policies and pre- procedures and treating everybody fairly. Yeah. Well, I would say on an integrity level of a scale of 1 to 10, I'd give us a 15. And, <laughs> okay. Okay. In, in general, I try to be pretty modest, but this is one of the places where I, I have to chew a horn here. And I would say, you know, we're focusing on governance now, but I'm going to go all the way back to even our products. We have a name that's synonymous with fair trade. There is not a single person who could point to a place where equal exchange isn't living out its mission of helping small-scale farmers all over the world in everything that we do. So starting from that ground of just saying we're a business that stands on integrity. Let's go into the governance, our bylaws. Our bylaws are open. Every piece of rule or structure that we have is open and transparent. And when you have 117 worker owners who have signed up and invested um, not only with their time and energy, but financially, you know, I have quite a stake in Equal Exchange now after 11 years, I'm going to make sure that we do things by the book. And the transparency that we talked about earlier, where we can 
everything is open and we can see it all means that we have 117 watchdogs, in a sense, that are always looking out to make sure that we're on the course to do what we set out to do. Mm-hmm. In addition, we have a governance committee that is a board-appointed board committee that their entire job is to make sure that the dealings that we do on, at all pieces in our governance are by the bylaws. Um, our, our chair of that committee, Hillary, is outstanding in making sure that she reviews each decision that we have and that she goes back and checks it against our bylaws. And we have a saying, if we do it wrong, we're going to go back and fix it. We're, we're, we're not in the business of saying, well, we did it wrong, but that's okay. We go back and fix it and make sure that it is by our bylaws. And if we feel like those bylaws don't serve us anymore, the worker owners can, can change them. That's one of the powers that the worker owners have. Well, what I like, um, and we only have about another minute here, what I like is to say to people, if you make choices, you make decisions based on your bylaws and your rules and policies, and if you find out that you want to make a different decision, then you change your bylaws and policies. But you have to have right. integrity in them. Anybody want to make an order, go to shop.equalexchange.coop. Uh, you put V-Oaks in, V-O-A-K-E-S, and you'll get a 10% discount one time. Can't combine it with any other offer. It's valid uh, until January 31st, and it's not valid for wholesale customers. Uh, you have any last comments that you want to make? Yeah, I, I would just say, you know, <laughs> last comment I would like to make is just there is extreme power in cooperatives. There is ownership and responsibility. There is capital building. But more than any of that, the power to come together as opposed to um, feeling like you're competing and fighting um, allows people to really do dynamic work. And when people can join together to understand that the power of 117 can equal the power of, you know, one really enlightened, you know, executive or some other organization is amazing. Uh, And I continue to invest in that, and I hope that this program has helped other people to challenge themselves to think about investing in those type of businesses themselves. Thank you, sir. Thank you very much. We'll see you next Thursday. 1450 